Lord, we thank You for the wonderful opportunity of knowing You. And we thank You that that has been made possible through Your sacrifice, through Your atoning power to not only cleanse, but to remove our sins from the very presence of God. And Lord, it's because of that we are Your children. So Lord, we glorify You this morning. We bring honor to You this morning. We worship You this morning because of who You are as well as what You've done for us. Dear Jesus, we pray right now that You would help us to hear from You. That we would receive from Your Word. Lord, for those who are distant, far away from You spiritually, for those who are seeking, I pray that You would open the eyes of their hearts this morning that they might receive from You. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we'll be in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 3. We are going to be in the book of 1 Samuel for, the, for a while. And, of course, the, the primary uh, focus or the primary story and the primary person in the book of 1 Samuel is David. But we're going back and we're understanding uh, kind of the background of what leads up to the, to the birth of David, to the presence of David, to King David. What happened before uh, those things occurred? Before David and, the, and Goliath? Before we see David becoming the king, what are the things that were transpiring in his homeland? What are the things that led up to the event of God bringing David as king? So last week we talked about Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1, who God gives a son named Samuel. Samuel will be the last judge, and he is actually going to be the first prophet in the sense of an office. Now up to this point, people have, uh, they give prophetic words, so to speak, or prophetic instructions. We see it even happening in, in 1 Samuel chapter 2. And sometimes that word is even used, prophet. But it was really more, the better way to understand it is sometimes we have people come and preach here at Rock Point, but they're not necessarily the pastor. Uh, and this is where we kind of see the, the office, the institution of the role of the prophet. So there have been words that have been given, but now we'll see that God will call someone, uh, as, as He does Samuel, into the office of prophet, and we'll see it throughout the remainder of the Old Testament. So uh, you may look at that. You may have had a question. I thought about that the other day after I preached. I was, I was thinking, you know what, I probably didn't give enough information and background on that. So hopefully that helps you. Probably you weren't asking, but I thought I'd share it with you anyway. So as, as we look at this text this morning, I've entitled this message, Do You Hear Me Now? Uh, you know, virtually everyone has a cell phone. Uh, to, to tell you virtually everyone has a cell phone is almost an understatement. Uh, I was in Tanzania vi visiting Monica Miller a couple of years ago, and there weren't many, but there are probably about 25 or 30 people in that village that have a cell phone. You go, well, what's the big deal? The big deal is they all live in mud houses. They don't have any running water. They don't have any electricity. Uh, I mean, it's, they don't have a bathroom inside the house. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, but about one out of every 25 or 30 people somehow have a cell phone. I don't even know where they get coverage. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's actually talking to it and they found it on the side of the road. But how, however, they've got cell phones all over the world now because we can cast these satellite signals and there is always the opportunity to connect to one of these signals if you can get to it, if there's not a distraction, if there's not a barrier, so to speak. The same thing is true. I believe God is always speaking, but the truth of it is, is a lot of us aren't always listening. 
or we're distracted. There are barriers. You've heard it before. You know, there, there are really, you know, on the extreme, there are people who say, you know, I, God told me this, God told me this, God told me that, and God told me to buy this car, and God told me uh, that I should go out with you. God, you know, I mean, it's the whole deal. You know what I mean? In college, it was a big, big deal uh, where, you know, guys, I, had, I knew some guys who would tell girls, you know, God told me I'm supposed to marry you. And I remember one of the girls asked me, what do you think? I said, well, don't you wait till God tells you and just tell him to go away till then. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes we can, if we're not careful, we can start to think that every thought that comes in our head is from God. But the Bible, as we'll see in just a moment, tells us that there are other voices. There are other spirits that are sending messages to us. So we have to be careful to call everything God. I think God gets uh, blamed for a lot of things he never told people to do, but God becomes an easy scapegoat. You know what God told me? You know, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take your money. Or whatever it is that, that you're going to do that you think you're doing with God's blessing. On the other hand, some people say, I've never heard from God. God's never spoken to me. I've never gotten, I've never gotten anything. Well, I, I believe God is speaking, and we do need to be discerning. And so I want us to look at this uh, short story in First Samuel chapter one, verse one through ten. And then I want us to look at some practical applications of hearing from God. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to First Samuel chapter three, beginning with verse one. Now, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. Now, remember, Samuel has been taken by his mother to live here in the temple here in Shiloh. He has basically been vowed by his mother to serve the Lord uh, through the temple and as an instrument for God's use for the rest of his life. And so he's been living here. He probably came at around age five or six, although we don't know an exact age. And he's ministering to the Lord. He's learning from who? Eli. Eli is the priest. Eli is his spiritual authority, his mentor, if you want to call it that. And that's how he has been learning the faith. And the Bible says that he's been ministering before the Lord under the authority of Eli. And in those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many visions. God would often speak in the Old Testament times we see through visions, uh, through uh, dreams sometimes, through a voice. We know that happened with um, Moses uh, several different times. But God would speak. But there's come through this time of corruption, as we saw in the book of Judges, that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And basically, they're no longer to hear, able to hear the voice of God because of the syncretism, because of going their own way. And so there aren't many words that have authority that people are hearing. The Spirit of God is not moving, so to speak, through this nation, not at least in the blessing sense and in the revelation sense. Verse 2, One night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, which means that it's nighttime, that it's dark. Uh, the, the lamp would have been lit until daylight, and then it would have been extinguished at that point. But the light is still burning. The Bible tells us, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Now, some scholars would go as far as to say, because the ark of the covenant was believed to have the presence of God, that literally God spoke from the ark. Now, we don't know. That's strictly speculation. But it was believed that that's where the presence of God was housed in the ark in the temple. And this is where we find Samuel. We, we find him alone still, and in the presence of God. 
And he hears from God, which, by the way, is a great little lesson for us to be alone, still, and in the presence of God. He continues here, the Scripture does, and it says to us, Then the Lord called Samuel in verse 4, and Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you, go back down. So he went and lay down. Up to this point, how has God spoken to Samuel? Through Eli, through his spiritual authority, through his priest, so to speak. That's how God has spoken to him up to this point. Uh, At this point, there probably are not a lot of writings. Most of it has been given down by oral tradition and through instruction. And so Eli has been mentoring him and coaching him. And this is how he has been accustomed to God primarily speaking to him. The Bible says, again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. You call me. My son, Eli, said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. In verse 7, the Bible says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, for the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Now, that verse is almost problematic if you stop and think about it. What does it mean when the Scripture says here that Samuel did not yet know the Lord? Well, some will say he just didn't know God. He didn't didn't have a relationship with him. But I don't think that's correct because we saw in verse 1 that he had been ministering to and, and for the Lord. Okay, so I don't I don't think that's what's occurring here. If you remember in the Old Testament, particularly, there were three ways. And and I think it would even be true in some senses of us today. There are three ways that people kind of knew the Lord. When you see there are different nuances, when you say the word no, one would be there was an awareness. People who are aware of God, of Jehovah God, that Yahweh was God and they were aware of him and believed, but they weren't necessarily committed to him and to him alone. So some were aware We see that throughout the Scripture. There are many that believe that He was a great God. uh, And we see that quite frequently even today. But they weren't in what we would call in our vernacular today relationship. So number two would be another way other than simply being aware would be I'm in a relationship with Him. Okay, So I'm, I'm beyond the aspect of simply knowing He exists and being aware of Him. But I am in the process of getting to know Him. I pray and I seek His heart. I believe in Him, believe that He exists, and I am committed to Him. Okay? So, and I believe myself, I personally believe that that's where Samuel is. That he knows the Lord, that he seeks the Lord, that he prays the Lord. Um, but, what, what, then what would this mean? What would this mean he did not yet know the Lord? I would say there's a third category. He did not know Him in mission and calling. He had not received a calling at this point. Now, he's been placed here by his parents uh, in the temple, but God is about to call him out and make him the primary instrument of his voice, of how he communicates to the people. He's about to become the prophet, the voice of God for his nation. So he didn't know God speaking to him in the sense of giving him the prophetic utterance, giving him the word and the instruction to go and to share. And so I personally believe that's what's occurring here. You continue in verse 8, the Lord called Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you call me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So he gets this confirmed by spiritual authority, by his spiritual authority. Then Eli realized the Lord was calling the boy, so Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. 
a good word for us today. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in the place. And the Lord came and stood there calling at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. We see that Samuel was somewhat surprised because God had not spoken to him in that manner. We see that God's Word is confirmed. We see that spiritual authority confirms God's Word. And we see that Samuel was open. He was in the presence of the Lord. He was still. He was quiet. He was silent before the Lord. And he had a heart of humility, a heart of willingness. Speak, Lord. I am listening. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they be from God. Do not believe every spirit. Don't believe every voice that comes through your head. Well, how do I know which ones to believe? Well, let's talk about it for just a moment. What voices, what are the other voices that sometimes speak to us? Well, we know there's the, verse, the voice of evil, the voice of Satan, a voice that speaks to us and will tell us it's okay to sin. It's okay. You can do a little. It's, everybody does it. That voice that comes and justifies and pacifies and feeds your lust and feeds your greed and tells you it's okay. That's the voice of evil. Matter of fact, if we're not careful, our conscience can become seared. I remember growing up, uh, one of the first churches I served in, there was a, a minister there. And um, he ended up uh, leaving his family, and he felt like God told him to. His conscience was seared. And the Bible tells us that can happen. That we become so consumed in our own fleshly desires and our own selfishness, we become so consumed in sin that we can't distinguish the voice of God. And it's screaming so loud that we go with that voice. It's the voice of evil. Number two, self-preservation. Wait, what, is, is that best for me? Will that work for me? Is that good for me? I don't know. I, I, don't, want to take a, I don't want to take a risk. What if things don't work out well? It's kind of a, a weak conscience, that self-preservation. It's kind of our human nature, our sin nature that always thinks what's best for me first and if it's not best for me then I don't want to go that direction it's kind of a weak conscience and somebody stands up against me I, I don't want to say anything, I don't want to do anything we know that little voice is always speaking, always bickering and always sending a message wait, don't do it let's just, let's just stop, let's just quit somebody else Self-preservation. And number three, the voice of God. The Bible tells us in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, that the goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. When our heart is right and our conscience is right, then we hear the voice of God when we seek Him. But how still do I discern the voice? My heart's right. I'm seeking how do I discern the voice of God? Well, I'm going to give you a few practical things you can use to discern the Spirit of God that you, so to speak, can test the spirits to see whether they be of God or not. Number one, does it line up with Scripture? Does it line up with Scripture? Does it go against a Scripture principle or does it affirm Scripture? Because if it is against Scripture. If it does not line up with Scripture, then it's not the Spirit of God speaking to you. Period. 
That's it. It's over. Uh, that's the first place you want to turn. As a matter of fact, the Bible, if we go back and uh, look at Scripture in the New Testament, about 337 times we see the term logos, which is the written word of God used. And about 70 times we see the word rhema, okay, which is the spoken word. So more often than not, God speaks through the written word, through his written word to us, so we know that. Number two, does this benefit the kingdom of God more than it benefits me? Will this benefit the kingdom of God? That's just a real simple question. Is this good for the kingdom of God? Is this something that God will be glorified? Number three, does it cause humility for me? And does it lead me into a greater dependence upon God? You know, so often there are other the voice of selfishness is the big one that I have to deal with. There'll be something I want to do. Matter of fact, we were just uh, praying through something at my house a couple of weeks ago. There's something I really, really want to do. I thought it was a great opportunity. I really, really, really want to do this. This is good. This is good. But the real truth of it is, it wasn't about the kingdom. It wasn't about anybody but me. It's about me. I want to do this. This is good for me, I tell you. And when I was praying, that's all I could hear. This is good for me. You know why? Because I'm consumed. That's right. It's like self selfishness has kicked in. And when I have to put it through that test, is this something that will lead me to greater humility? Absolutely not. I don't care. <laughs> you know, at that point right there. And here's what I can obviously say is, you know what? I'm not saying this is necessarily sin, but I can say this. I can't say that. You know what, God, I know you're leading me to this. I'm going to need other confirmation from some other places. And my wife's not giving it to me, so that's. A, I guess I'm just stuck. I just got to stop right there. You know what I mean? So sometimes... Uh, when people are in spiritual unity, you just have to recognize that sometimes we're going to be uh, we're going to be consumed with our own thoughts, with our own lust, with our own greed, and we're not going to hear the voice of God. And, and can I tell you this? Sometimes God is just simply leading us to a place of humility. It's not so much about what it is He wants us to achieve. Okay. So uh, number four, does it glorify Jesus? Does it glorify Him? Does it bring Him glory, ultimately? Number five, does it edify the church and the body of Christ? And then number six, do spiritual uh, elders or authorities or people who have spiritual influence, spiritual leaders, do they affirm this? Do they affirm this in your life, that this is a good choice, this is a good direction, this is a good place for you to begin? You, you see that happening in the book, book of First Samuel right here. You see... Eli giving spiritual confirmation. Can I tell you this here? This is just a real simple thing to remember when trying to discern the voice of God. I believe God will always confirm His Word. So if He gives you a thought, so to speak, He'll confirm it in another way. So it won't just be that random thought you got in your head. He'll confirm it. You'll be reading Scripture. Somebody else will see it. You'll hear a testimony. You'll hear it through worship, through confession. God will confirm it. And often he'll confirm it in multiple ways, multiple times. Now, that doesn't mean that you wait, well, when I get to 30, I'm going to move. That's not what I'm saying, okay? I'm just saying it's not all, usually it's not just a single thought. We, we see that from this story. We see that throughout Scripture. God will confirm it in more ways. So be conscientious of simply going on a thought you've had because that thought might not be from God. All right. So if God confirms and we can discern the will of God, what are some ways we can enhance our ability to hear from God? What are some of the things that I can do to improve my reception, so to speak, to God's voice? 
Well, first of all, to listen. We see Samuel listening. He's still, he's silent, and he's listening. It's a good word for us right there. Are we listeners? I mean, a lot of times we think we're good listeners, myself included, and then, you know, I get exposed. You know, I'm not always an active listener. I think it's important that we become active listeners when we're listening to God. What do I mean by that? Well, that I'm not just sitting still, but that I'm listening and saying, God, I'm ready, and I, I, I will respond to what you give. I affirm and I confirm the word that God gives me from Scripture as I'm reading it. I take it into account. Okay? Number two, get away from distractions. We see Samuel is alone when God speaks to him. He's alone. He's silent. He's still. Today we live in a world where there's so many distractions. Some of us think we have to have noise on all the time. And then we wonder, why don't I never hear anything from God? Maybe it's because you need to turn the TV off. I mean, you know what I mean? There's some simple things that we could do. Maybe we need to turn the radio off. Maybe we need to turn our kids off. Whatever it is, you know, there's some things that we just need to sometimes get in a place of silence before Him. Committing to have a daily time of Scripture where we come to God and we read Scripture and we say, God, speak to me today. Committing to it. And recognize, you know what? I won't, get, I won't necessarily get a big voice every time. But let me give you something else you can do. As you begin to journal that, as you begin to write those thoughts down and those words down and begin to look at it collectively, you can begin to see how God speaks. Of course, it goes without saying, meditation in prayer. And that's kind of what we've been talking about, just meditating upon His Word. Has God given you a passage of Scripture that you've been studying and you begin to let it meditate in your mind? Has He given you a principle to enact in your life and you really begin to meditate and think about it daily? and begin to repeat it in your mind. Confession. Confessing our, our faults and our sins before God so that we're not in, uh, the Word of God is not inhibited where the Spirit of God is able to flow within us. Worship. The importance of worship. Why would we want to think that we're going to hear from God when we're not willing to worship Him? We're not willing to have a time where we tell Him of our love for Him, where we express our gratitude, our honor, where we express to Him the glory for which He deserves. How about taking a step of faith with what you do have? Matter of fact, that would be kind of my next one. Have you uh, been obedient to the partial revelation you've gotten? In other words, have you even began a, a time where you're reading Scripture each day? Are you praying each day? Well, then we need to go back and start right there. So often, we haven't been obedient with what we've already been given. If God has led you into something before, have you completed what He's giving you the first time. How, how does that work at work? You know, when you got somebody that they're always wanting to start these new projects, and they go, i got another new thing I want to do, and they're going, you finished the last one you did. <laughs> Why are we going to give you another one here, bud? Same thing is true with us spiritually when we're not willing uh, to complete what God has already given us. Um, you know, something else that we see in this passage right here is the surprise, that God sometimes gives us a revelation that we were not expecting. He gives us a word, or He gives us a leading. Uh, he gives us a guidance into an area, or into a ministry, or to an individual that we weren't anticipating. God puts somebody in our path. God's put something in our path. And we can respond to that. It doesn't have to be in our skill set. This isn't my talent. You know, this isn't my gift. You know, my gift is preaching. That's all I do. No. That, that, you, you, we told, when we do that, that that's an ego thing. I'm not necessarily talking about me, but probably so. But nevertheless, when we get into that stage where we think, God, you have to work like this because this is what I'm comfortable with, then we begin to 
shut down the voice of God in our lives. Matter of fact, the truth of it is He probably will lead you in a way that you haven't expected. He probably will give you an opportunity that's out of your comfort zone. Fasting is another way to clear the distractions. Sabbath. Is there a time when I say Sabbath, I'm not talking about coming to church on Sunday. That's, that's part of it. But I'm talking about having a time where you listen to God. Where you put things aside and you say, God, this is your time to speak to me. That may not be on a Sunday. But an expense an extended period of time where you allow God to speak to you. Uh, being a part of church, testimonies, there's so many ways that God speaks, but also through spiritual authority. And again, that doesn't necessarily mean pastor at all. It's whoever God has placed in your life who speaks truth in your life. Somebody who you believe knows Christ and somebody who you believe has you respect and has influence in your life. Uh, and, and let me say this. We want to help you with that, particularly if you're a man, if you would like coaching, if you would like discipleship, I want you to write that down and give it to us. We would love for you to participate in that. I think that's so important. Again, we go back and we look at Samuel's life and what? You see spiritual confirmation, particularly by spiritual authority. So the next time you get a, you know, this big idea that you're going to go out and do, God's calling you. If you don't do anything else, you definitely want to pray and read Scripture, but if you don't do anything else... I would encourage you to get some spiritual accountability with that and, and make sure that it lines up with Scripture, that it's not just about your ego, that it's something that glorifies the Lord, that it leads you into a greater dependence upon Him, and that godly counsel affirms that. Okay? So, uh, when we begin to think in that manner, I think it will really help us to hear from God, to hear of the voice of God. Um, you know, I, I remember a time in my life where I, I can remember multiple times where I thought God was calling me to do something and I, I take that step of faith, so to speak, to, to go and to do it. And when I get there, it wasn't what I thought. Matter of fact, I remember a couple of instances. It was almost it was almost humiliating. It, it really was. I remember there's this one. I won't go into all the details. I've shared it before, but I went to this one ministry and, you know, it was a big ministry, big deal. I was going to be in front of everybody and be in charge. You know, I had great motives. And uh, so it was, uh, you know, this big deal. And I get there, and something gets turned around. All of a sudden, I'm in the parking lot with an orange vest on putting cones out. While this big ministry's going on, I'm out putting cones out. And I was just thinking, this is not right. This is not going right. This is not what God had for me. And, you know, over the next couple of weeks, I realized this is exactly what I got for you, buddy. I am so concerned about your heart right now. If we can begin to see it's not about what we're going to get and what we're going to get to do and what people are going to notice me for the first time they're going to know as opposed to God is saying, I want to conform you into the image of Jesus. So first of all, I want you to serve. And first of all, I want you to learn some humility. That's what the voice of God is usually saying to us. I want you to take a step. I want you to take a step in humility. And I want you to say yes, because there's a need before you. And it wasn't what you expected. It wasn't your big vision or your big dream. It's mine for you. Because you have prayed a prayer like this, that God, I want to be like Jesus. I want you to conform in your image. And I want to love you with all my heart, soul, and mind. And the only way that's going to happen is for me to teach you and to grow you in the same manner Jesus was taught. In the same experiences He experienced.
we forget that in our modern world, but I'm convinced that that's primarily what God wants to do in our lives. So just because He's led you someplace and it's hard or it's difficult or you don't feel appreciated, that may be exactly where you're supposed to be. And you say, I did that before. And I'm telling you, that was hard and I didn't like it. You know, my son says the same thing about kindergarten sometimes. Okay? So that doesn't mean it's not good for you. It doesn't mean that's not where God leads you. And you know what? Sometimes God leads us into situations and they fall flat on our face. It doesn't even work. See there? And in our economy, that means God wasn't speaking. But in the spiritual economy, God is saying, He's so much closer to the man or the woman I called Him to be. He's so much closer. He's so much more like Jesus if we can embrace it. So, I want to finalize with this. Recognize God will call you. And in my opinion, God calls daily to be used by Him. Whether it's our neighbor, whether it's in our home, whether it's in our church, God is speaking. Am I responding? Number two, God will confirm it. And number three, God always will provide godly confirmation, I believe. Now, that may not just be one person. You may have to talk to a couple, and I'm not talking about get a thousand until somebody tells you what you want to know. But I am saying that God will confirm it. question is, are you willing to take that step of faith? Are you simply aware of Him today? Are you in relationship with Him today? Are you ready for Him to call you and use you where you are today? Let's pray. Father, thank You for this time together. Thank You that while we were still sinners, You died for us. God, I pray that You would help us to discern Your voice as You speak to us today. Lord, I think of so many countless stories of people who've been spoken to by Your Spirit and how You've changed their lives and changed the lives of others. And God, today, it's not a matter if You're speaking. It's a matter if we're listening. I pray, Lord, that You'd help us to put aside the distractions in life and receive from You. And God, I pray that we would do everything we can to enhance the signal that You're sending us today, the voice that You're sending us today, that we would commit to the study of Your Word, that we would commit to prayer, and we would commit to receiving from You. And recognize, God, that You may do something that we had not anticipated, something that's out of our comfort zone. And that's one of the ways we can often know it's You. Because we could not do it in our own flesh. It would require Your Spirit. So I pray, Lord, that You would lead by Your Spirit this day. In Your name I pray. Amen.